Hey, I'm Darren. I'm one of the pastors here at Focus, and, and we are in our summer series, Name Droppers. We are learning from people in the past, preparing us for our future, because I believe this with everything inside of me, that God cares more about your future than he does about your past. And I say that in a great way, because God loves you so much that he brought redemption for your past. He brought salvation from your past. He brought healing to your past. And his healing, his name is Jesus. But God wants to be able to bless you with an amazing future. He cares more about your future than he does about your past. So what we're doing is that we're learning from other people's past to help us prepare for the future that God has for us. Come on now. Name droppers. So Jenny and I, uh, when, when we were going to college, we went to, to college at a, in the same town. A uh, small little southern Missouri town by the name of, of Springfield, Missouri. Anybody familiar with Springfield, Missouri? It's close to Branson, Missouri. Anybody familiar with Branson, Missouri, right? It's the, it's the Christian Nashville. That's what it is right there. And, uh, and we had a great time being in Springfield while we were there. And one of, the, one of the, uh, the famous sons of the city of Springfield is a guy by the name of Brad Pitt. Anybody know Brad Pitt? Come on now, right? Like, uh, and my, my wife... A uh, little claim to fame, her little 15 minutes, is that she, uh, she actually taught many of Brad Pitt's nieces and nephews. Come on. Like there was even one Christmas time uh, that, that Brad Pitt's sister uh, was, was heavily involved in, in Jenny's classroom. And, and she came back and showed pictures, uh, of the, showed pictures of the Christmas time that they had with the entire Pitt family. And, and there was Brad Pitt with little, little rubber band hair ties all throughout his hair. And she said, she said, it was so cute to see him. And I was like, well, next time that happens, you take the picture and you run away and we will sell it for a million dollars. Thank you very much. I don't, your integrity, let's go ahead and sell it, right? Like, that's what it was. Uh, but, but when we were living there, it was the early 2000s. And, and at that time, uh, Brad Pitt was married to a, a woman by the name of Jennifer Aniston, right? Anybody, everybody tracking with me? Uh, if not, watch some TMZ, all right? You'll be able to catch the speed real quickly. Uh, so, so there's one day I'm walking in, in the rinky-dink mall of Springfield, Missouri, and, and as I'm walking down one of the hallways, I, I look down and, and I see somebody window shopping, and I'm telling you what, it looked like it was Jennifer Aniston doing some window shopping, and I thought to myself, there's no way, that can't be her. Springfield, Missouri, shopping in the mall, in Spring, that's not, that can't be her. So I didn't tell anybody about it. I wish I would have taken a little closer examination because I would have loved to have been able to call, tell my friends, hey, guess what I was doing today? Shopping with my good friend Jennifer Anderson. Come on now, right? It would have been fantastic. So here's the thing that we're going to be able to do today. We're going to learn from somebody who is most likely more famous than even any of them. It's, by the, it's a, na- a man by the name of Moses. Anybody heard of Moses in here? Right? Like, you know Moses, the Ten Commandments. The Red Sea, we've seen it every single Easter. They show that. Charlton Heston doing a fantastic job. Man, that's, he had a beard before beards were popular, right? I'm like, that dude, like that was, I wonder if it was real or not. It was fantastic. It was glorious. We know who Moses is, right? And we're going to pick up the story of Moses in Exodus chapter 3. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. If you didn't bring them, don't worry. We're going to put a lot of those passages up on the screen today. But let me encourage you this. Be able to read your Bible. Highlight it. Mark it up. Because there's something that's going to impact you in a moment in your future you're going to need to remember. Because I can tell you, as great as the future that God has for you, there's going to be some tough moments. 
and that you remember what God is speaking to you in those moments. And so write up your Bible, mark it up. I'm telling you, because you're going to need it someday. When you can look back and you can say, oh yeah, that was that time. Thank you, Jesus, for helping me get through that one. I'm just telling you that right now. But don't worry, we're going to have them up on the screen for you as well. And as you're getting ready to turn there, let me ask you this question. Have you ever done something outside of your comfort zone? Anybody ever done anything? How about something like way outside of your comfort zone? How about this question? Has God ever called you to do something outside of your comfort zone? That would like radically change your life kind of thing. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that's what I, I'm, God, you got to really speak to me. Anybody been in a position like that? Or maybe you are even right now. I, I can tell you that for me, um, that I, I've had multiple moments like that in, in my life. And Jenny and I, when, when, since we've been married. And, uh, and one, of the, one of those big ones for me was actually, was actually going into uh, this thing called full-time ministry. We used to call this thing called full-time ministry. I mean, just be a pastor. Follow the call of God on your life, right? Like, that was a big moment for me. Because when I went to Bible college, uh, I knew that there was, like, God was calling me to something, but I didn't exactly know what it was. And so then what I decided to do was to automatically assume that it was not to be a pastor. Like, I did not want to be a pastor. In fact, even when Jenny and I started dating, she said, are you going to be a pastor? And I was like, no. And she was like, good, because I don't want to be married to a pastor. So we were both on the exact same page, right? Because here's the thing about it, was that I knew that, like I knew that God wanted something from my life, and I wanted to be able to follow him, but the thought of being a pastor was something that I just I did not want. I didn't like it. I, I, was, I didn't like it, and I was a little terrified as well. Because my idea of a pastor, my first thought was this, was like, pastors, they're boring. Oh my goodness, pastors are boring. I do not want to wear a suit and tie all the time on Sunday, and I don't want to wear a cardigan sweater for the rest of the week, okay? Like, some of you are like, I know that pastor, right? Like, I didn't want to do, I didn't want to do that. I didn't, I was like, obviously you can tell that's not me, right? I didn't want to do that. I also, I didn't want to be a pastor because they do a lot of, they do a lot of public speaking. Anybody ever notice that, right? Like, and, that, and the thought of public speaking to me was, no, no, thank you, right? Anybody love public speaking around here? Or is it the thought of it kind of terrifies you? Anybody terrified? Like you don't want to, most of you do because it's the most common thing that scares people is public speaking. I didn't want to be part of that. But the, the reason why that the public speaking part of it was so terrifying to me is because this is really and truly what terrified me. Being the voice of God into somebody's life. Because let me tell you, I know me. And I know the junk inside of me. And how, God, how could you use a sinner like me? <laughs> how many of you, how many are so thankful that God fills his Holy Spirit full of sinners today, right? And I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful for a pastor by the name of Charlie Arsenal. Because Pastor Charlie took a chance on Jenny and I. We, we started going to church and we were serving at, at a church. And, and Pastor Charlie called us up one day and, and he said, uh, Hey, uh, I want you to come into the office uh, on a Wednesday night. And, and in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, What did, what did I do? What did, what did, 
I know Jenny didn't do anything. What did I do? What did he catch me? What did he catch me doing? Right? Like getting a call from a pastor to come in the pastor's office is a little terrifying. It's like it's like getting called into the principal's office, right? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Like I was like, I was like, oh my goodness, I don't want to do this, right? And so we we go into uh, we go into the office and, and we sit down. And Pastor Charlie says to us, he says, Hey, we're going through some changes here at the church and and uh, and and we're going through some staff changes and 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 we would love to be able to invite you to be our new student pastor. And we kind of a, a little bit taken back because it's like this was not the plan. This is not what we were doing. This is not the idea. It's a little out of left field, and it was definitely outside out of our comfort zone. In fact, I'll tell you that, that we said yes to it, and, and we went about uh, becoming new student pastors, but it was so far out of my comfort zone that the first day that I sat in the office, I was like, I, nah, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm not even playing. Like, I'm sitting there looking at the computer, didn't know what to do, and, and I called Jenny up, and I was like, babe, I don't know what to do. Like, what? I, don't, I wrote a sermon, and now I don't know what to do anymore, right? Because I felt completely unprepared, unqualified. I was not the person that should be fulfilling this role. Anybody been in a situation where you feel like God is calling you to do something way outside of your comfort zone? How many of you that if you feel like God has called you to do something, but you've said, you know what? I would need a burning bush to say yes to that. I need a burning, you're going to call me to do what? Boy, I tell you, I need a burning bush moment. The, the reason why we get that expression, if you've ever heard it, is found in Exodus chapter 3. A burning bush experience. This man named Moses was getting ready to have an experience of just something that we have talked about. And so Moses, we pick this up in chapter 3, verse 1, and it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. Now here's the thing that I want us to know about Moses as we're going forward. Moses, Moses is a Hebrew by DNA. He was born a Hebrew. He was Egyptian through his childhood, that he was raised inside of Pharaoh's home. And then he murdered one of Pharaoh's soldiers, so he fled into the desert, found a woman, got married, and then he begins to work as a shepherd out in the middle of the desert. Love and life, minding his own business, not having to worry about facing his past. And he's tending the sheep of his father-in-law, Jethro. Now here's what we know about Jethro. Jethro was a priest of Midian. What kind of priest? We don't know. We don't know. Now some, some people will speculate that, that he was a, a, a convert to following Yahweh, the Lord. Some people will also say that he was a priest, that, that he followed multiple gods. We don't know exactly, but most likely, it doesn't say that he was a follower of the Lord or that he was a priest of the Lord. So most likely, he was a priest of another religion. So here we have a man, we have a man who has been completely detached from his birth. He's been completely detached from his upbringing. He's following a different religion, and he's getting ready to have an experience with God. Some of you today, that you weren't prepared, but you're getting ready to have an experience with God. You're just sitting there minding your own business, 
going about life thinking, you know what, I just want to be able to do this in my own little corner of the world, that I just want to be able to follow my plan, I just want to tend my sheep, I just want to mind my own business and not have to worry about all those things from the past. And you're getting ready to have an experience with God today. And so he sees something, Moses sees something in the distance. And all of a sudden he sees a burning bush. But it's not like a fire that he's ever experienced before. See, this fire is burning on this bush, but it's not consuming the bush. What is that going on over there? Am I really sure I'm seeing what I'm seeing? Is that Jennifer Aniston? I don't know. I need to go take a closer look. I said no. Moses said yes. He saw something different, so he said, I'm going to go investigate. I'm going to go see what it is that is, all, is going on over there. And so we see this story continue on in verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses. And then I love the fact that he says it again, Moses. Like, I don't know about you, but, but does anybody, anybody out there like campfires? Anybody out there just get enthralled with fires? Anybody like playing with matches? Anybody, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, I love being able to look at the fire, and I just get all glassy-eyed looking at the fire, and the flames going around, and I'm just sitting there looking at that. And all of a sudden, God says, Moses, and he's still just looking. Moses! Yeah, what's up, God? You got, you got my attention. Here's what I want you to know today. Is that God is calling out your name twice today. That there's been something that God has called you to do. And it has felt like it is out in left field. And today he's calling out your name again. Stop being distracted by something. And go ahead and walk in the plan that I have for you. He's calling out your name twice. He's trying to get your attention today. You might not have been prepared for it. Moses wasn't prepared for it. But get ready now. He's calling out your name a second time. And then God continues on. And he says this to Moses. I love it so much. He said, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people. I have seen my people. I have seen the misery of my people. And I have, I have heard, I have heard them crying out. I have seen and I have heard. And I am concerned for them today. Here's what I want you to know, is that we see, we serve a God who sees us. That we serve a God who hears us. And that we serve a God who is concerned about us. We serve a God who sees the hurt inside of our community. We serve a God who hears the heartbreak that is going on inside of our community. And we serve a God who is concerned about it. Don't feel like that we serve a God who is just distant and far from us. He hears you. He sees you. And He loves you. He's concerned for you. Not only that, we serve an active God. And He says, I have come down. I have come down to be with you. He sees you. He hears you. He's concerned for you, and he is walking with you. Not to just walk with you through the valley, but he wants to bring you out of the valley. Because he continues on, and he says, and I'm about to bring them on out. I'm going to get them up on out of here. And so the problem that you might be facing today, the situation that you might be in, I want you to know that God sees you. He hears you. He is concerned about it. He wants to be there with you, and he's going to bring you up out of it. Come on, somebody. That right there is who God is. 
This story right here that we see, that he brings us out of those situations. And then he brings us to a land flowing with milk and honey. You want to know what that is for us? That's the blessings of God. He wants you to live in his blessings. He has a parasauce kind of life prepared for you. A life that is exceedingly abundantly more than you can ever imagine. That his plans for you are bigger than your dreams could ever be. That's what his plan is. That's what he wants you to walk in. That's what he has in store for you. This is not just Moses. This, this is God's heart for all people. And he continues on. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians oppressed him. So now go, I am sending you. I am sending you. I believe with everything inside of me that God sees our community. He hears our community. He's concerned for our community. And now he is sending us to do something about it. There's somebody within your sphere of influence that God has designed for you to be in that influence so that you can impact them for his glory. I'm praying that somebody's going to get impacted today. Somebody in this room, and then that impact will carry out so that somebody else's life can be changed in a powerful way. But here's the problem, is that when we think about the story of Moses, that we think it's about Moses. God said, I have seen, I have heard, I am concerned. This story has less to do with the heart of Moses and more to do with the heart of God. That's the heart of God today. The heart of God for his people. The heart of God for you. The heart of God for his community. That's what God has called us to do. To follow his heart. See, so many times we get into situations and other people get into situations and you might have thought this before or you might have even heard it before. That when there's pain that's going on, we can tend, we can tend to get mad at God. Anybody been there before? Why, why would you put me in this situation? Why aren't, you let, why aren't you coming through for me in this situation? I'm angry with you. And what we forget is that God, God is more heartbroken about that situation than you are. That, that's not what his plan is. That's not what his plan has ever been. His plan was for us to be able to experience life. But unfortunately, there was the fall of man, and it broke his heart, which is exactly why he provided and bought a way out of this sinful life for us, and his name is Jesus. He's already provided everything for you. And we forget about that, and we get mad in a moment because we forget the heart of God for us. Don't forget the heart of God. In this story, it says that he has seen us. He has heard us. He's concerned for us. So he comes down and he walks through the valley with us so that he can bring us up out of it. Come on, somebody. That's the heart of God today. That's the heart of God. And that's what this story revolves around. But there's also another individual in this, and his name is Moses. And so what the question that we have is today, then, then what is the heart of Moses? We know the heart of God. Now how about the heart of Moses? Right? Well, let's look at what the heart of Moses really looks like. And remember, 
Some of you are like, man, I, I know what it's like to be able to call out to do something that's really out of my comfort zone. And I would love to have a burning bush experience, right? I want to have that burning bush. You know what? In fact, if I had that burning bush experience, boy, boy, there might be some revival happening up in here, right? Like, I might even... I might even dance a little bit like Pastor Darren up in there, right? Like, maybe. I wish you would. I wish somebody would. Like, don't be scared of that. I might get a little bit excited. There's no way that I would say no to that. I'm going to go forward immediately, right? Perhaps. Because somebody did. And then let's look at how their response was when they heard the heart of God. It said, but Moses said to God, well, who am I? You're sending me? You're calling me to do what? I'm nobody. I don't, I'm not, anybody feel like that? I'm not, I'm the, la, I'm the last person that you should be asking because I know the junk inside of me. I'm nobody. Pick somebody else, right? That's how it feels like. But look at how God responded to his excuse. He responded with the promise, I will be with you. Amen. Come on now. We have an excuse. I'm nobody. But God comes through with the promise, I will be with you. I love that so much. For me, I don't know. I'd be like, okay, all right, I feel a little, I'll get a little bit excited now. Oh, you're going to walk with me in this? The wolf might start to rise up inside of me, and I'm like, okay, let's go forward. Let's keep going. Let's do this. Or perhaps... You might respond the way that Moses did. And he said, well, suppose I go. Now I love we're playing hypotheticals, right? Like, well, let's just, what if I do go? And I go to your people. I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God, and I think that this is important. He says, the God of your fathers. He doesn't say the God of our fathers. He's detached himself even from the religion of his forefathers. He said, the, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And then they ask, well, what's his name? I, I don't know. Here's what he's saying. I don't know you enough to do your will. How am I supposed to tell somebody else about Jesus? I don't even know that. They're going to ask me a Bible verse, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know it enough. I don't know enough. I don't know God enough to it. Well, what about I don't know? And so you just need to, don't, don't ask me, like, because I don't know you enough. I can't lead a community group. I don't know the Bible enough. Right? Anybody feel that today? I'm nobody. I don't know God enough. God has another promise. He says, I am who I am. Tell them, I am who I am. See, too many times we're focused on who you are instead of on who I am. Take the focus off of who you are and put the focus on I am. He says, stop looking at yourself and just look towards me. I'm going to be with you in those moments. I'm with you. I am who I am. Be focused on who I am. For some of you are again like, okay, God, you're preaching me up right now. You're pre I'm feeling it. And so maybe I'm going to take that step forward. I've got the burning bush in front of me. There's this miraculous moment. You're speaking to me. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to walk forward in this. Perhaps. Or perhaps you're going to respond again just like what Moses does. And he says this. What if they don't believe me? 
if they don't, they're not going to believe me. Man, we live in a culture of disbelief, don't we? Don't we live in a culture of disbelief? And guess what? Most of us have bought into that. Because you've already assigned disbelief to somebody before you give them something to disbelieve. I can't go tell somebody about Jesus. They don't believe it already. They're just going to laugh at me. You've already assigned disbelief before you've even given them something to disbelieve. And then check out what God says to him. I love this one. He said, okay, what's in your hand? I got a staff. And he says, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake. And he ran away from it. <laughs> it's the first smart thing that Moses has done, right? Like, hey, whoa, hey, come on, God. <laughs> and then God says to him, he said, hey, now reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Continue on. So Moses reaches out. He took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand and he said this right here that's going to be proof to them let me help you with this god is saying you just do what i ask you to do and i'll go ahead and prove myself you do what god asks of you to do and he will prove it himself you don't have to worry about proving who god is He's got it under control. Come on, somebody. And some of you might be like, oh, man, I wish I did have a staff. I would, if I had the staff, then I might be able to say, yes, I just saw this snake turn back into it. Now I'm going forward. Now I'm going to do this crazy thing that God has asked me to do. I've got the burning bush. I've got this snake experience. Let's go do it. Perhaps. Or perhaps you might respond. Like Moses responds again, and he says this, pardon your servant, Lord. Now he's getting all nice about it, right? I'm, I'm not eloquent with my words. I, I've never been good with it. I got a little bit of a stutter. I don't, here's what he's saying. I am not qualified to do this. I don't have the skills required to do this. I don't have enough training. I don't. Somebody hasn't done this for me before. I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't. And then God says to him, Hey, who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak. God God answers each and every single one of his excuses with patience and a promise. Look at these excuses. I'm nobody. God, you're calling me to do this thing. I'm, I, I'm nobody. There's got to be somebody better. I, I, don't, I don't know you enough. I don't, I don't read the Bible every single day. I mean, I know I should, but I don't. I don't, I don't know those stories. I don't know. I don't know you enough to be able to do this. You're calling me to do something, something big and crazy. I, I, people are not going to believe me. There's no way I am the least qualified person to fulfill this. There has to be somebody else. And every single excuse that Moses gives and every single excuse that we give 
God is prepared to give you patience and a promise. If God's in it, he's going to take care of it. Trust his promise today. And maybe, maybe that's enough for you to make the choice. Okay, I'm doing it. I've been battling and struggling with this for so long that I'm ready to say yes. Maybe that's you, and I hope it is. Or perhaps, perhaps you're going to be in a place of complete honesty just where Moses is, and Moses says this to God. He says, send someone else. I don't want to do it. Pick somebody else. This thing is so far out of my comfort zone. I just want to be here in the desert. I don't want to face my past. I don't want to be able to have to move forward in a future that it just seems, it seems like too much. Let me just do my thing. Send somebody else. And in every single excuse that God experienced from Moses, Moses changed it from giving an excuse to asking to be excused from the call. And when that happened, something shifted inside of God as well. And the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Why? What? I mean, he's asking these questions. He's giving these excuses. At some point, I don't know about you, but I've got kids. And when my kids are trying to make excuses for me, I'm like, just get it done. Anybody with me? Like enough is enough. I'm sick and tired of having this conversation. My patience is worn thin. What, what shifted inside of God in this moment that he went from these, this patience and promise to now all of a sudden his anger is burning against him in this moment. Because this is the moment that Moses, Moses is mocking the intelligence of God. I've chosen you. Pick somebody else. I don't want to do this. Let me ask you this question. How can you, how can you claim to be part of the kingdom if you're not willing to listen to the king? You're mocking and spitting in the face of the king when you say, you know what? My will is more important than yours. I know better. Send somebody else. Listen, God doesn't need people who are able. He just needs people who are willing. Who are willing to say yes to his authority, his kingship, his lordship over your life. The heart of God is concerned for people. The heart of Moses says, let me be on my own. Let me do my thing. Let me go ahead and just mind, mind my own business. So the question then is this. Are you more interested in your will or God's will? What is the path and the direction that you have for your life? See, we say that, we say that God's plan is so much bigger than your dreams. But you can't find the fulfillment of that plan if you're not walking in his ways. 
you're going to find a different destination. What is God calling you to do that is so far outside of your comfort zone, but you're giving excuse after excuse after excuse? Do you have a heart of God, or are you sitting in a heart of Moses in this moment? Where's your heart today? Where is your heart today? God doesn't give us God doesn't give us dreams. God doesn't give us plans for the future. God didn't give us his word so that we could just mock it. He's given us a plan for our life to walk in his ways. What's more important to you, your will or his for your life? Where's your heart today? What are you willing to do for God? Are you willing to finally say yes to this big, bold, crazy dream that he's given you? This call that is inside of you? Are you ready to finally say, you know what? I've been trying to make excuse after excuse after excuse. I've even tried to excuse myself from it. And it's just not going away. Are you ready to finally get to a place where you surrender instead of making excuses. Where's your heart today? Is it full of surrender? Or is it full of excuses? Do you have a heart after God or do you have a heart of Moses? See, I, I don't know about you, but, but I, want, I, want to, I want to associate with Moses. <laughs> Moses the mighty. The Moses, the Moses that had the, the plagues coming down in Egypt, you know, the, the Moses that had the, the Red Sea part in front of it, the, the great leader Moses. I want to I associate with that kind of Moses. I want to have a legacy of that kind of Moses, but unfortunately, too many times I find myself being the excuse-making Moses. I find myself being the isolator Moses. I find myself being the Moses just in the desert and wants to just mind my own business. I've been hurt too many times. I just want to wallow in my own past. I don't want to move forward. Just let me be. Go find somebody else. And unfortunately, that's where many of us find ourselves. What's in your heart today? Is it surrender? Or is it excuses? I don't know. I don't know these personal things that God might be calling you to. I don't know these, I don't know these big, big callings. I don't know what that might be for your life. But I can I can talk about I can talk about the, the simple things that we do even here at our church. And, and I say simple because that's that's intentional. We do things here in a simple way because. Because we think it's the most effective way for you to be able to walk in a relationship with God. That's, that's why we do what we do, how we do it. That's, that's the reason why we want, to make it, we want to make it simple for you so that you can have the blessing of God in your life. That's why we do this. But some of you even make excuses for those things, the simple things that we're trying to help you and walk you through, the, 
Are we trying to provide for you? Because here's the thing I want you to know is that we don't want something from you. We want something for you. An amazing relationship with God. And so we provide these simple, simple things like one of groups, community groups, because we believe with everything inside of us that God created us to be together. It's not good for man, for a woman to be alone. We need community around us. We need brothers and sisters who can build us up when it's going really tough. We need brothers and sisters who can celebrate with us when we have an amazing uh, miracle that's happened. We need those people around us. And in September, we're getting ready to launch a brand new initiative with that. And is God calling you, even as I talked about it last week, that God's calling you to, you know what, maybe that's me to be able to become, become a group leader. But I don't know. Ooh, I don't know enough. I don't know. Nobody's going to believe me. And I don't have pastor in front of my name. Maybe God's calling you to just even join a group. That you say, you know what, my, oh, my schedule's too much. We got this and we got that and we got to be here and we got to be there. Where are your priorities at? Is it excuse or surrender? Excuse or surrender? Which one is it for you? We have this thing we call the dream team around here. The, 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 the dream to be able to have a team come together to be able to serve God. You serve God through the church. We just want to provide that opportunity for you. I, don't, I can't do that. I got, I got too many other things going, you know, and, and I'm just not in a good place myself. I need to just be, I need to go to church just to be fed. What is it? What's in it for me? Hope the pastor's got a good word for me today. You get to a place where you understand, hey, this thing's not about me at all. What can I do to serve God and serve other people? Are you full of surrender or excuses today? Or how about, oh, I think this is probably one of the hardest ones. It just is. How about when we're talking about giving financially to God? Oh, man. I think that the, the hardest places for us to be able to trust God is with our time and our money. And so he gives us this principle of the Sabbath to give to God and a principle of the tithe to give to God. Because I believe with everything inside of me that when you give God your first and your best, he will bless the rest. Give God the first and your best of your time and he's going to bless the rest of your time. Give God the first and the best of your finances and he's going to bless the rest of it. But it's hard, isn't it? Especially if you've never done it before. Yeah. Tithe, what's that, that, I've heard that word before. What does tithe mean? It means 10%. 10% of what? 10% of what you make. Who the what? <laughs> what a, like, I'm going to have to, like, what? That's a lot, right? Let's just be honest about it. You've never taken that step. Let's just be honest about this. Forget about 10%. Giving $10 is too much for you. Because you've decided that your will is more important than his. How can you claim to be part of the kingdom when you're spitting in the face of the king? It's because we've fallen into the same trap as the very first temptation. 
I know better. I know what's best for my life. Your plans for me? Just go ahead and bless my plans for my life. Oh, man, that's hard, isn't it? That's hard to hear. And it's hard to say, too. I don't like coming across that strong in those moments. But I know that God loves you too much to leave you walking away from his plan. I say those things not because I want something from you. I want something for you. I know what it's like to walk in those blessings of God. In fact, it's... <laughs> man, I love God so much. I love me some Jesus people. Come on now. Just last week, somebody came up to me uh, in between services, and they were like, hey, pastor, uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much. We've been walking them through this situation, and it, and it was just a lot. And they said, you know what? I just, I just feel like... I feel like God wants us just to be able to say thank you, and he handed me this card. And it was in between services, and I was like, ah, oh, cool, thanks, man, appreciate that. I took the card, and I threw it in, and the rest of our stuff. I got stuff. Sunday's a little busy for us. You didn't know that, right? Well, something else happened uh, just as we were coming back from our break, our summer sabbatical that we were on. That, that uh, my voice two weeks ago, as soon as church just started, I sang first note of the first song, that all of a sudden it started going hoarse. Anybody notice that? If you were here, it just started immediately. And, and, uh, and, and I kind of used my voice a little bit. Anybody realize that? Right? And it, we'd, I've been having troubles with it even before the break, and we were hoping that the break would help heal a little bit. And, and so immediately when it went, uh, Jenny and I were having conversations, and we said, you know, we need, to go, we need to go see the doctor and make sure that there's nothing wrong with it. And so, so two weeks ago, uh, I made an appointment with the ear, nose, and throat guy. And when I say that I made the appointment, I mean that my amazing wife made an appointment for me, right? That's, what, that's how it works in my house. And, and, uh, and so she did. And, and, uh, and just last Wednesday, uh, I went to uh, an ENT guy. And, and great news is that my, my voice is okay. I just got to learn to be able to, to control it a little bit more and take care of it and baby it and, and all of that kind of stuff. Great news. But here's what got me really excited. I was so excited about this. Is that when I went up, after I got done having this thing stuck down my nose so it could look inside of my throat, which was the most uncomfortable thing in the entire world, I'm telling you that. No Novocaine is going to stop my gag reflex. And so I'm sitting there, they got this thing, and I go back out, and, and I go to the, to the lady at the desk, you know, the lady that takes your money from you, and, and she told me how much... She told me how much that appointment was going to cost. And let me tell you something, that that thank you card that my wife opened that week was to the penny how much it cost on Wednesday. My God knew my need even before it happened. And he supplied for my need even before I needed it to be there. Come on, somebody. Those are the blessings of God. When you trust him with your first and your best, he will bless the rest. What's in your heart? Surrender or excuses? Surrender or excuses? Stop making excuses. If God's in it, he's going to take care of it. How about, how about this last one? If you're a follower of Jesus, the one thing that he has commanded all of us to do Tell other people about him. 
Go be a witness of what you have seen and what you have heard. And tell other people. Tell other people. Well, I can't do that. People aren't going to believe me. It's too hard. It's too hard. Like, if you say Jesus today, like, that's it. Woo, man. Like, like I'm, I'm just sweating thinking about telling my friends about Jesus, man. I go to school and I say Jesus, people are going to think I'm crazy, right? You want to know how... <laughs> You want to know how easy it is to tell somebody about Jesus? Here's how this conversation goes. Hey, how was your weekend? Oh, my goodness. I had a great weekend. See, I went, I went to church this past weekend, and two weekends ago at church, uh, we had this really cool moment where, where we gave $3,000 to our school. It was really fun. It was fantastic. We had a great time. But then just this last weekend, uh, we went to church, and, and there was somebody in our church that, that had a need for a car. Their car broke down, and we just gave them a new car. How great was that? It was a great weekend. And they're going to be like, wow, that is amazing. <laughs> wow. And you didn't beat them up with the Bible. You didn't say, hey, you're a sinner. Who needs a savior? You need to repent from your ways or you're going straight to H-E double hockey sticks. Because I love Jesus so much that I'm not even going to say the word, right? Like, <laughs> you don't have to be like that. You don't have to beat somebody up with the gospel. And some of you are like, I feel like I'm getting beat up right now. <laughs> it's just because I love our church too much not to lead us in the path that God has designed for us. Somebody needs to have their name called out twice today. Stop being concerned with your own will and start being concerned with His will for you. His plans are greater than your dreams. But you will not find the fulfillment of that plan unless you walk in his path. Today's the day for you. Are you going to choose surrender? Or are you going to choose excuses? Come on, church, would you please stand with me today? I don't know about you. But there's days that I need moments like this. I need a reminder I need God to call my name out a couple times and to remind me that His will, His will is more important than my will because He is the great and glorious God. Come on, church, let's go ahead and pray.